Hey everyone, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Nationals podcast. Um, so, full show today, it's coming your all's way, talking about the Cardinals, a lot of Juan Soto stuff coming your way. It's, it's, it's a fun episode. Um, we have had audio issues recently. It has been noted, the entire Locked On company uses Restream uh, website. It is not really going very well at this moment in time. So, we're going to do everything we can to fix it. What we're going to do is the YouTube version of this is going to be through Zoom, all right? And we're going to use the audio from there. I also might run a line of audition at the same time just to ensure the the sound quality is really good because I want you all to not have to listen to pops and cracks and stops and stuff like that anymore because it's been happening often. I lament that. So I want to make sure it sounds as good as possible. I'll do the best I can. But if you're watching the video side, we're going to use Zoom. If you are listening on the audio side, hopefully we use the Zoom audio. It sounds okay. We'll use Restream, or excuse me, we'll use Audition as well, Adobe Audition. So so let you guys know that. That's what's coming up. I hope you guys enjoy today's show. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Nationals podcast. Today it is the 31st of July, 2022. And on today's show, we'll be discussing the Nationals dropping two of three this past weekend to the St. Louis Cardinals in what could have been Juan Soto's last homestand. You never know, it could be his last game at any point in time. But discuss the series. Juan Soto has yet to be moved. Josh Bell has not been moved. The Nationals haven't made many, and they're running out of time. Just two days now until the trade deadline. Take a look at that and more and why the Nationals might not move Juan Soto because of the price from a trade that happened this past weekend. All that's coming up on today's show. Daily Washington Nationals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors once again here on the Locked On Nationals podcast. It is the 31st of July, 2022 and we are brought to you by our friends at Vrooms. Glad to have them on board here. Last day of July. Thank you all for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every single day. Uh, kind of a weird weekend, right? A, a weekend where the baseball was being played for the Washington Nationals, but it felt like that wasn't necessarily at center stage, right? Kind of the talk. And the chatter around the Nationals is really what we were talking about, right? The Juan Soto situation, the trade rumors surrounding him, Josh Bell being available as well. This was kind of everything that people were talking about this weekend, but nothing happened, right? I mean, we, you know, we've had some rumors and some talks. You know, there was a report that the Nationals we're making one more uh, push, and that was via Hector Gomez, but it sounds like a lot of the Nationals beat reporters can't verify that. Now, Hector has gotten a lot correct. There have been some small details that he has missed as well, but for the most part, Hector Gomez has been generally, I think, reliable when it comes to the Juan Soto situation. So uh, that's, you know, that, that is what we heard last, that they're going to make an offer, people like Jessica Camarado was on TV yesterday on MLB tonight saying that, no, I mean, I cannot confirm that. So we'll see what happens. But it sounds like, I believe this was according to Jim Bowden today, 
that the Juan Soto sweepstakes is down now to three teams. It's down to Los Angeles. It is down uh, the, the Dodgers. It is down to the Padres and also the Cardinals who were just there this past weekend. So yeah, Jim Bowden said the Padres, the Cardinals and the Dodgers are the last three teams bidding for Juan Soto. Now we've talked about this before. The one thing that's interesting about this situation is that uh, it's very, it can be very foreseeable that the nationals could hang on to him. And then that pool of suitors might increase once we hit the off season. What also is becoming increasingly more likely is that whatever team trades for Juan Soto, they probably won't re-sign him. Think about the teams that are in the mix right now for Juan Soto. It's the Padres, it's the Dodgers, it's the Cardinals. All of those teams have really uh, impressive payrolls, and I mean impressive in a positive way, about you know, like positive in terms of how much money that they are spending. Um, but you have to think about that as as we kind of look forward here. Is that you know, could these teams actually? And, and the Dodgers have the number one payroll as of 2022 uh, at 205 million. The Mets are at one, they're at second. Yankees third. Phillies fourth, the Padres are fifth. Now, the St. Louis Cardinals are sitting there at 13th, but there are still players that, you know, they are going to have to lock up uh, moving forward if they want to keep some of these guys. Um, you know, Yadier Molina will see it. Obviously, obviously, you know, probably it's going to be it for him. Wainwright comes off the books, too. That's going to free up some money um, um, for them. But, you know, here, uh, Jack Flaherty at some point is coming up soon. Tyler O'Neill is going to be coming up there. Pretty soon, they've got guys. Arenado is on the books, right? Um, uh, also, Paul Goldschmidt is on the books for the next few seasons. So the Cardinals have the cash, but there are some guys they have to bring. You know, we'll see if they bring them back. Uh, but the ones looking at right now are Wayno, uh, Yadier Molina, Corey Dickerson, TJ McFarland, Albert Pujols. Obviously, you're not going to see him back. So they're actually in a excuse me. They're they're in a pretty good spot. They, they they're the ones that maybe if they made this trade, you could probably see them re-signing. Teams like the Padres would have a bit more of a challenge to do this. Padres and the Dodgers. We'll go with the Padres first on this situation because they're fifth, and so we'll work our way up. Um, so you know what they have on the books. Uh, they, I mean, you know, they're, they're on the hook next year for $147 million. I don't think that's counting the extension that we believe Joe, Joe Musgrove is going to get, but they've got Manny Machado on the hook, uh, for 32 for a long time. Eric Hosmer is going to be on the hook. He's got three player options coming up in 23, 24, and 25 each for $13 million. You Darvish is owed 19 this year and 18 next year. Blake Snell is 13 this year, 16.6 next year. Drew Pomeranz is owed 10 million this year and 10 million next year. Sean Manaya expires this year, so they want to bring him back to let the pay him. Joe Musgrove, obviously we've heard about that contract. Mike Clevenger is coming off the books this year. Uh, Jerkson Profar is an option for $8.3 million. So, and then, uh, you know, you have uh, Haesung Kim, who's got a contract that's going to be running through uh, 2025, it looks like at this point in time, Tatis has his extension. That's going to kick in here pretty soon. Nick Martinez has a player option in, um, in, uh, 23, 24 and 25. So look, man, like th this is a team that's got a lot of guys who are going to be 
um, you know, coming up contract wise. Now that's good because it allows them to make some sacrifices maybe if they were to sign one, but also at the same time, those are some guys they definitely need on their team. Think about the names that we just mentioned, Mike Clevenger, you know, and uh, Sean Manaya and Joe Musgrove. I mean, like, you're, you know, if you want to, <coughs> excuse me, you want a good rotation, tough time breathing here. Uh, if you want a good rotation, you're going to have to maintain some of these guys, right? Uh, Darvish and Snell, uh, you know, are guys that are, you've got in their contract, but also, you know, you want Musgrove. We re resign again. We resign Sean Manaya. We resign Mike Clevenger. Okay. Can you find guys? in your um in your farm system bring up well what what about what's going to happen there is look you, you might not be able to bring them up because you might trade them away in a Juan Soto trade so looking at the at the Padres they would definitely have a difficult task considering the number you know for them next year is 147 million dollars already on the books but they've got a lot of work to do to make sure they can retain some of these really good pieces of this roster and continue to make that kind of championship push. Cause I think, you know, we never know what can happen. Once we get to the playoffs, obviously we know it's a crapshoot at certain points in time, but I'll tell you what, it still feels like they're a bit behind the Dodgers at this point in time. Would you pick them to beat the Braves? Would you pick them to beat the Mets? I don't know at this point in time. So with that, you know, they have to keep those guys on the team to continue that push. Then obviously, that brings us to the Los Angeles Dodgers, who are on the books this year for $261 million, 159 uh, next season. Now, once you might be saying, well, Josh, he wouldn't have to be extended until much later on. But yeah, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll see the desire to hit free agency if he goes to a place that he likes. I'm just saying these teams in their ability, you know, they it might give them the inside track to, to keep these guys um, or to keep a Juan Soto. But, you know, there's no guarantee because that means you have to make the money work. And and I mentioned, you know, with the, the Padres, like those are, you know, Sean Manaya and Joe Musgrove are guys that you'd probably want to get under contract for multiple years that'd be interfering with it. And then, you, have, you know, you got Darvish, obviously, like I mentioned before, Blake Snell. Sure, they've got two more years left. So, you know, it's, it's going to be like timing that up is going to be, you know, potential. It's possible, but difficult, you know, to keep that kind of winning team. The good news, the Dodgers is David Price is off the books. Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts are together going to combine. I mean, honestly, it feels like it's kind of a, you know, a decent deal for those guys uh, for like 60, around $60 million. Trey Turner is off their books. Justin Turner as a club option. They can get that one off the books. Cody uh, Bellinger is going to be in arbitration. Kershaw's coming off the books. Craig Kimbrell's coming off the books. Chris Taylor is on the hook for a long time. Max Muncy is on the hook for the next uh, the year. They might, you know, he's got $13 million club option. We'll see if they pick that one up. So I will say the Dodgers have a lot of people tied up. They do have a lot of guys coming off the books. I think the one thing, uh, you know, and I, I mentioned this, uh, I mentioned this the other day, uh, by man Jeff, who does the Locked On Dodgers podcast, he, he spoke pretty well about this, I think. Like, this is not a deal that he wants the Dodgers to do. And the reason why he said that is because the Dodgers have done such a good job of making trades at the right times, but also – Think about all the guys that they have brought up through their system that have manifested in the league. You know, your uh, Julio Urias's of the world, your Tony Gonsolin's of the world, your Walker Bueller's of the world, Think, you know, the Gavin Lux's of the world. I mean, these guys are Dodgers that they brought through the system and they've done a great job, you know, of, of, of developing these guys. And so it's really paid off for them. Um, and they make, you know, smart moves like Justin Turner, right? 
uh, getting guys, obviously Cody Bellinger is just still 26. Another one of those guys uh, that has been there forever. You know, Clayton Kershaw is one of their own um, as well. So you have to think about it like that. Like they are really strategic with how they do this. And I'm not sure this is a move that is the most Dodger like move that we see. Sure. Getting star players is a move, but once again, the, getting that Trey, that Trey and Max trade last year, that they didn't have to give up a whole heck of a lot Two guys who were blocked in Josiah Gray and also in Caber Ruiz, that was a pretty good, um, you know, that's pretty good for them, right? That, that's pretty good. And obviously Gerardo Carrillo and Donovan Casey, but once again, I think it's a very, very good point that Jeff makes that, Hey, this is maybe not the most Dodger like move. Now I'm more of a Padres type move, but emptying the farm a farm that's been, you know, that's just kept on giving for them and kept them in contention amidst their stars as well. But giving up on the part of this system that really fills in so many of those spots, I'm not, I think it's the point Jeff's making. I, you know, you could, I could be wrong about this, but I believe the point Jeff was really making is that like that. I'm not sure if that's the right move um, for them to do, especially knowing like, you know, you're not going to resign Trey, but you got, you know, you want to fill in that gap or do you, you know, give up all the guys who could be filling in those gaps with uh you know with a with a Juan Soto right because like I mentioned they they can make the money work they got a lot of guys coming off the books but also it's a lot of spots you have to fill and when you've got a, such a good farm system like the Dodgers always have you know do you want to give up those guys who are really good at filling those spots historically uh just to you know just to and, and look once again they make good veteran moves as well but do you want to give up those guys to get Juan Soto and maybe not even get him um you know maybe not even get him uh for you know in the next, next part of his career, just, just the three years. Is it worth it? Maybe it is for Dodgers. Maybe it is for their fans, their, their, their franchise. Uh, but I think that's something you have to consider here is, you know, the long-term effects. Like, do you want to cap your window? Maybe if you lose Soto, you know, start rebuilding that then again, but like you're giving up a lot and you're not sure where you're going to be. So uh, there's a whole lot of calculus here. And I think it's a whole lot of people now assessing like how worth, how much is one Soto really worth? Right. I think that is something uh, that you, you have to think about because I'm going to read from Max Raymond's article from District on Deck. He actually had a really good, uh, a really good piece that came out today. I'm, I'm going to pull it up now to make sure I can get it. Uh, I can get this correct. But talked about the Luis Castillo trade and how much. I mean, you think about it, it's 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 a hefty amount that they gave up for Luis Castillo. Them being the Seattle Mariners. Um, uh, Marte, Arroyo, Stout, and more. You know, they give up those guys that the Mariners do. And Max's point really through this is like, all right, if Luis Castillo is worth that, now obviously context everything, right? They need an ace, they got an ace, sure, whatever. But like, you know, Juan Soto is, wor- is worth just as much as Luis Castillo is to a lot of these teams, and if not more. So you know, Luis Castillo is set in the market right there. Imagine what Juan Soto is, you know, and I, I think Max is trying to say, you're like, Hey, you know, is, is it's going to be hard for somebody to put together a package. That's, you know, it's much, much better than what the Mariners gave for Castillo. And we're talking about a guy that we also, you know, we would believe to be a better player. So that, that's something we have to watch too. But um, you know, I, I've been bouncing back and forth guys, you know, uh, last time I talked to him, I said 50, 50, I felt like 70, 30 on Friday that he was going to get traded 70%. Yes. I'm kind of back towards 50-50 now. I, I think that's where I'm at. You know, I still believe the most logical thing to happen is that the Nats get new ownership and they give it one more run. And if they don't, people can still trade for him. Because here's the thing, the group of suitors will go up. You still get two more years of Juan Soto, right? 
I know it's not as many as three, but still you get two years of Juan Soto and the ability to get the inside track to re-sign him. So while we're down to three teams right now, once again, I think this offseason, what you could see happen is these teams talk amongst themselves. These teams you know, have this conversation. Okay, should we go for this? Is this something that makes sense for us? Does it make sense for us in the long term, the short term? Like which, which category do we fall into? And I think when you do that, I think you're going to get more suitors not less, you know, I think because we're so capped with time, like you see this thing all the time, you know, in, in whatever sport, right. Uh, the, the Mavericks have become a, you know, a potential landing spot for Kevin Durant, the heat, you know, the more time goes on, the more teams that can emerge. And so if you give them that full offseason, give them that more time, I don't think the Dodgers and Padres and Cardinals are going to go away. If anything, you know, a team like the Cardinals might think, Hey, we need to make that move. I mean, Hell, you get a situation where the Astros win the World Series, and so the Dodgers, the Padres, and the Cardinals all think we 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 need to make that move. That this is a move we have to make. We came up short. We got to do something to get the job done here, right? And so you you know if one of those teams wins, sure they might think okay we don't have to do this, or they might say oh we, we want now now we can we've won so let's just you know let's let's go get Juan Soto and put butts in seats for the next fifteen years. There are many ways to approach this. I still think patience, in my opinion, is the best way to do it. I don't think it hurts the hall all that much. I really don't believe that. So to me, I think it's going to be patience that the Nationals show. All right, one word from our sponsors, and then we'll get in on this weekend's series against the Cardinals. So on today's show, we are brought to you by LinkedIn. Folks, did you guys know that at LinkedIn, they make it easier to find people that uh, want to take your job. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MLB. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MLB today to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. All right, so the Nationals, three games set, as I mentioned, over the weekend with the St. Louis Cardinals. They won one. Their record is now 35-68. and 68. They are still the worst team in baseball. 340 winning percentage. They are 30 games back of the Mets, 27 back of the Braves. They are 21 and a half back of the Phillies. They are uh, 12 and a half back of the Marlins. They're 16 and 38 at home. They're 19 and 30 on the road. They have a th- uh, 393 run scored, 561 runs against the mighty minus 168 run differential. That is the worst in the league. They've lost one. They're five and five in their last 10 games. So how did they go over the course of the weekend? It was a weird weekend once again. The Nationals just it wasn't really about the baseball, and I'll, I'll be honest, you know, I was too consumed with Twitter to be honest. I, you know, I I was I was checking Twitter periodically. I really just try to kind of step away from stuff this weekend just because the, the one set of stuff has been absolutely uh, so crazy. Uh, Anibal Sanchez gets left in way too long in game number one. Five and two thirds, six hits, six runs. They're all earned. Two walks, four Ks, two home runs, and 108 pitches. I felt like um, I, I felt like. That was going to be, uh, you know, somewhere where they just wanted to get some more. They just wanted to give them some more, you know, or wanted to say the bullpen kind of that situation, right? Uncertain weekend, just get some more length out of your star, but they pushed him too far. It doesn't really matter at this point anyway. Miles Michaelis had a really nice start. Seven innings, six hits, two runs, two earned, one walk in four Ks in a 6-2 win in the first game of the series. In the second game, this was a fun back-and-forth contest where the Nationals rallied and came from behind and won this game by a score of seven to six. It's just nice to see moments 
like that from across, you know, like the weekend when the Nationals were as bad, you know, have been as bad as they are. But, um, you know, they, they rally. They were down 4-1 at one point. And then Cruz, Nelson Cruz, you know, up in that trade value. Yadiel Hernandez drives in a run. Uh, Josh Bell with the two-run go-ahead, or three-run, excuse me, go-ahead home run in the bottom of the seventh. 404 feet that scores Soto and Hernandez. The Nationals hang on the rest of the way. The pitching was not excellent in this game. Carl Edwards uh, got a little, you know, a little, little roughed up in his one-third of an inning, but, uh, you know, the rest of the guys, I mean, Harvey, Erasmo Ramirez, and Kyle Finnegan, an inning in two-thirds to get the save in the end of this game. He's really pitching well. Paulo Espino was pretty meh. Uh, and the Nationals were able to get the Dakota Hudson early, which is really good. So the Nationals, I was pretty impressed with that effort coming from behind. We really just don't see that too often. And then today was a pretty stale performance, have to be honest. Uh, the Nationals in the final game of this series drop into the Cardinals. They lose by a score of five to nothing. Um, Josiah Gray was, you know, he it seems like he just gets a decision every single one of the starts. Uh, this was not a great Josiah Gray day. Five innings, four hits, four runs, all earned, one homer, six Ks, and two walks. So, you know, like, Got a lot of the elements of a Josiah Gray performance. The Nats bats were quiet, though. Palante was fantastic. Five hits, eight Ks, one walk. Uh, and then Helsley comes in and gets the save in the – or gets the, you know, the finish um, in the end of this game. So that's how it went down for the Nationals. All right, one more word from our sponsors, and we will get out of here. Today's show is brought to you by BetOnline and BetOnline.net. You go to BetOnline today when you guys do. Uh, sign up. It's free to do. It's 110% worth it. So make sure you guys do that. They've got odds for NASCAR, for NBA, for NHL, for college football, for NFL, obviously for MLB, NASCAR, F1, boxing, MMA, all that stuff you guys can find at BetOnline in BetOnline.net today. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Nationals. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore Find the show wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube as well. Till next time, my friends, as always, stay safe.